sang that one, if we sang that one next week, could we sing King of King today? I'll sing the verses really loud. I know we didn't practice very much. Is that okay? Okay. You ready? Holly, why don't you stand up here? Here's this. Stand up. I hope this is in tune. I didn't check it. Yet. Oh boy. Okay. Say good morning on the count of three. Who do you look at? Where's he at? Where's my little guy? There he is. One, two. But God com com commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus. 
like to welcome everybody this morning. Uh, we appreciate the good crowd we have this morning and the kids singing for us. And, uh, just uh, the peace and comfort we feel uh, being in the Lord's house. It's, uh, it's good to be here. It's a place of refuge and uh, we can just come in and get our uh, get ourselves away from the world for a little bit. Uh, this life's full of troubles and trials and uh, but I'm glad I know where my help comes from. Uh, you know, uh, life's Life's tough sometimes, and uh, but I'm glad I, I can go to the Lord and ask Him for help and guidance, and uh, He'll lead me and show me, uh, direct my steps, and I just appreciate that. I, I'm glad I know that, and if you don't know that, if you don't have that peace and comfort, I pray you find it today. Just seek it out and search it, and I pray the Lord will uh, give you what you need this morning. I'm asked uh, Taylor to dismiss us Sunday school. good to be here this morning appreciate everybody coming out it's good to be back been gone for a little bit got to vacation a little and always good to go and good to come home so uh, glad to be here this morning we're going to be in daniel so the berries uh, and the kids song uh, that isn't right where our lesson's at about the lion's den, but we're going to be in the book of Daniel today, the third chapter. And this is, you know, if you go through and look at the little kids' Sunday school, uh, kids that go to Sunday school or Bible school, this lesson, and this is about uh, the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. And so this lesson is a lesson that, you know, you could go out and get any of our five, six, seven-year-old kids out there, and they could probably tell you something about this lesson. Uh, they know about this. They learn about it. And uh, from my perspective, those are the most difficult lessons to teach to this class because everybody knows this lesson probably better than I do. And so uh, and I, when I teach, I want to give a perspective or get you thinking about the lesson maybe in an area or a direction that you haven't thought about before. And that's always my goal is just to try to, you know, stimulate some, some thought and think, oh, okay, let's consider this perspective or that perspective. So, um, so I'll give away pretty early. Uh, there won't be any secrets about well, what, what was Blaine's thought on this lesson today. Romans 8 and 28, a scripture that most people can, can quote, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
And in looking at that verse, it says work together for good. So what does that mean necessarily? What is our purpose? Once we're saved, what is the reason that we're still here? What's for that the good? It's the lost. The reason we're here, and God blesses us, and I'm glad to have a good church to come to. I'm glad to have a comfortable home. Glad to get to go on vacation sometimes. Get to do some natural things. Those are blessings from God, but that's not the good that it's talking about here in Romans. Romans is not guaranteeing us that we're going to have a nice church house, a nice home, a nice car, a good vacation. So if we live for God, contrary to what some uh, TV preachers, I guess for lack of a better term, and maybe some other folks, this is not a guarantee that if we get saved and live for God, that our finances and our health and our family are all going to be exactly like we like. It's not going to be that way. But the good that this is talking about is we will be able, if we love God and trust God, we will be able, we'll be given an opportunity to be a witness to someone who's lost or someone who's saved but not following God. We will get to be a witness to them in some capacity. Now, does that mean that they're all going to get saved? If we live for God and do what we're supposed to and we're that witness, does that mean that everybody that we pray for is going to get saved? No, it doesn't. They've still got that individual choice, but our life will have been some, had some impact on them. So with that, let's go over to Daniel. Let's look here and in, in, I want to talk just a minute about uh, Daniel and, and when he lived and those things, and then we'll get on into this lesson. So Daniel was uh, born, and uh, it was in the 600 B.C., uh, probably 625, maybe 620 B.C. Now keep in mind that the Babylonian uh, exile where, where they came and captured Israel and, and took captives back to Babylon happened in about 605 B.C. So Daniel would have been somewhere between 15 and maybe 20 at the oldest when that occurred and he was carried away. And so were these three boys that we're going to read about today and their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they were all pretty close to that same age. So born in Jerusalem, carried into captivity as teenagers. Okay, Daniel lived in Babylon. As far as I can see, he never returned to Jerusalem. Now the return started happening, but Daniel was probably about 80 years old. And he was, I, my guess is he was probably just from a health standpoint too old to make that journey and go back. Um, and so Daniel in chapter 3 here tells this great story, and you all know it. And so the king is Nebuchadnezzar, and he sets up an idol, huge idol made of gold, or at least it was overlaid with gold, but it was golden. And he sends the decree that we're going to play music, and when you hear the music played, everybody in the kingdom is going to bow down and worship this idol that I've created. And so these boys, the music plays, and they don't bow down. Well, word gets back to the king pretty quickly. Some of your, your Hebrews that you've got over here, these boys you like, they're not following your order. So he gets aggravated, makes him mad. So he sends for him, and they have this conversation. And we're going to start reading in verse 16. So chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. 
So he calls them in before him and says, look, you guys probably didn't understand. Maybe you didn't get the message. Maybe it just didn't sink in real good. But here's my order, and here's what you're going to do. And they respond to him, and I love their response. And I'm trying to put myself in their position. Okay, So they're called in before the highest authority in their, in their country, the king. It'd be like if we get called in before the president, but the king here has got more power even than our president today does in our country. But they're standing there, and he's getting after them, and the first thing they tell him is, yeah, we didn't miss the point. We're not, you know, didn't just not pay attention. We've considered this. Think about that. He's telling them, well, you're going to do this. And they're saying, yeah, well, I mean, we didn't do this on a whim. We've thought it through. And no, we're not. So here's what they tell him. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. So they know, I mean, he's already told them, if you don't, you're going to get pitched in the furnace. And they're telling him, we don't know if our God will choose to deliver us from this or not. He's able to. But either way, we're not going to follow your order. We're not going to worship your God. So when we're faced with choices because each of us as Christians are faced with choices now the end result fortunately for us in the country that we live in probably isn't a fiery furnace that would bring about a painful natural death but we're faced with choices all the time so what do we do with them well there's some good examples here. We shouldn't take it lightly. We should think through these things. We should be aware of what we're doing and the impact that it has on the people around us. I have done some things before, just natural things, and not thought through them all together and not thought about the impact that it has on people around me and would back up a little bit and go, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. I guess everybody probably has, just from a natural standpoint. And I've probably been there from a spiritual, religious standpoint. But the great thing about God is he has a way of bringing things to your attention if you're trying at all to listen and say, you know, pay attention here. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a voice inside of us once we're saved that will bring our attention to things and, and will try to help us to avoid those. So the king's called them in here, and here let's pick up in verse 17 and read the rest of that. So, And they're saying, if our God whom we serve, he, he is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God. We don't know sometimes which direction God's going to go in our life. We're faced with things that we're unaware of, unsure of. How's that going to go? Great example here. They didn't know. They said to the king, we don't know which way this is going to go. But either way, we're not serving your God. Think about that. It's pretty bold. Would you be that bold if you were standing before the king and there's the furnace just out there in the yard, maybe where you could see it? Either way, king, he can save us if he wants to. And maybe he, maybe he won't save us, but either way, we're not bowing down to your king, to your, your God. Great response. I hope that I would would be so bold faced with, you know, death. Do you think that they were, do you think that they were mad or angry with the king when they're given this response? I don't. 
I mean, I don't think there was any anger there. I mean, I think they were probably humble but resolute. And I think they were resolved in what they were telling him. But I don't think they were mad at him. I don't think they were uh, sarcastic with him. Been a bad time to have been sarcastic. I mean, we speak fluent sarcasm at my house. And so that's a, a kind of... You know, but this is not a time to be sarcastic. I think their heart was, we're going to follow what we know God wants us to do. And they were delivering that message back to the king because he had called them there and put them, you know, under the spotlight. So that's their response. Okay, now this is where the lesson actually starts here. It's pretty interesting. Now Nebuchadnezzar, even earlier in this chapter, when he heard that they weren't bowing down, he got aggravated. Like, well, you know, why wouldn't they do that? I've been good to those boys, treated them good. Why wouldn't they bow down? Well, so he was aggravated before, but he figures if he calls them in for a meeting, they'll do what he wants. So now they've looked right at him and told him, go pound salt, because we ain't bowing down. Well, this king, like most people, and especially people in authority, when they're used to giving a command and it being ordered or followed, and they give a command and the person looks right at them and says, nope. What do you think? He got, he got really mad. He got angry, furious. So let's follow what he, says, what he does here. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. So he was, he was agitated and maybe a little mad before. Now, you know, his face is red. I mean, he's hot. Okay. Is that a good place to get? Now, the Bible does say anger and sin not. So it's possible to get angry and not sin. My experience with anger, and, and most of you know me, I, boy, I've got a difficult time with my temper. I do. Marcel's grinning over here because he's seen me mad at least one time and maybe twice. I mean, I've had to work at it. And still at that, there are times where it'll sneak right up on me and get the best of me about that quick. You know, I'm hot. And when I get angry, I make bad decisions. Anybody else there? I mean, I am. I mean, when I get angry, I make bad decisions. And so we'll see that play out here with Nebuchadnezzar. The form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had been friendly, cordial before, and they just looked at him and told him, nope, we're not following your order, and now he's giving them that look. All right. I think everybody in here is married or has been married. We've all had that look from our spouse before, right? I mean, I know I have. We've, we all know that look. Boy, I just messed up, you know. And they give you that, I'm going to kill you look, you know. All right. Well, that's probably real similar to the look that, that Nebuchadnezzar was giving these boys here. And that's exactly what he was thinking. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Okay, furnace. What's this furnace look like? Uh, I did some, some research on it. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot. We can look at history and, and understand why they would have had a furnace at the time that they did here at this point in history. It was probably a kiln used to heat bricks or other things similar to that. Based upon their architecture and some historical digs, it was probably a furnace that was used to make bricks. Now, it may not have been. It could have been something else. And I'm not saying that that's the only option that it was. Um, but it was probably something that, that was open that you could look into it to some degree. Certainly later we see that the king was able to look into the fire. Okay. Spent some time thinking about this furnace. And really what I, I came 
to conclude was, I, I can't give you an exact picture of what this furnace looks like. Here's what I can tell you. It doesn't matter. Each of us faces throughout life our own fiery furnace of sorts. Okay, And I don't mean literally, obviously. But we all are faced throughout our life with situations that are similar to this that this fiery furnace is representative of. Okay, What are you going to do with your situations in your life? What choice are you going to make? We've really got two choices. We can lean on God and trust Him, or we can lean not on God. Now, we can lean on ourselves, which is primarily if we're not leaning on God, or we can lean on something else. And I'm not saying that if we're sick, we shouldn't go to a doctor or seek out medical help. That's not what I mean at all. If I'm sick or if my family's sick, I'm trying to get to the best doctor I can find. But I've got my trust placed in God. He's the great physician. And so if I'm, or if I'm being, you know, persecuted for my, you know, religious beliefs and how I feel and, and how I act, and that has happened some, never to this extent, but that's happened and it is likely to happen to everybody if you live a godly life. People are going to notice. They're going to say, hey, you know, we're all getting you know, lottery tickets to try to win the mega millions. You want to buy into that? Well, no, I, I, don't, I don't play that. Well, why not? Well, I just, I don't believe in that. Huh, that's kind of strange. You don't believe in it. So we're all going to face to some degree. Now, my experience with that has been if you set the foundation of I don't believe in that stuff. There will be a little bit of a response initially, and then for the most part, that will die down. That doesn't mean that it won't kick up occasionally. But if you live a godly life in front of people, they will from time to time feel condemned. All right. Do you think some of Nebuchadnezzar's anger here was because he was feeling condemned by these three, three men, young men? I do. I mean, I think he didn't like having his order followed, but I also think he was looking at them thinking, man, they're different than me, and they're living, they're doing some things here that I don't really understand and don't like, and I think it condemned him. So when you're living a Christian life and doing the best you can, and out of nowhere sometimes you get an angry response or an angry comment or one of those sarcastic Sideway jabs that you just know and feel is because somebody's irritated at you and you're like, man, what in the world did I do? I don't think I've done anything to them. Why would they feel or say that way? Maybe it's because your life is condemning them. When people feel condemned, a natural response is to be angry or to try to you know, hurt you a little bit. And so just keep that in mind. I've, I've, I've had that happen and seen that happen and talked to people and family and friends and, and seen that happen. And sometimes, while it doesn't feel good, sometimes that's, that's great that that's the response because your life is doing what God wants it to do. And go back to Romans where I started. What's our purpose here? Our purpose isn't to gather up as much money and as many toys as we can before we die. Our purpose is to point somebody else towards God. If we can, our life can point one person towards God. That's one person that you are helping that gets an opportunity not to spend eternity in hell. So think about that. That's, I love that song. If just one more soul, just one. If we can help one by living our life, that's worth some criticism and some sarcasm and some, you know, that person or somebody around you, you know, making you feel a little uncomfortable. Be, be thankful for it. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar says, well, let's heat the furnace up. and We're going 
We're not just going to have the normal heat in the furnace, which would have been enough to kill them. Okay. Heat it up seven times more than it's supposed to be heated. He was mad. He was hot. Verse 20, And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Remember when I said before that when I get mad, I make bad decisions. And I said Nebuchadnezzar got mad here and he made a bad decision. As we read on down, we find that these most mighty men in his army suffered the consequence of his anger here. He thought it was going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was where his anger was turned. But he heats this furnace up so hot, and then he tells these mighty men, and it doesn't say how many, but more than one, bind them up, which they did, take them up to the furnace, and cast them in. Well, you guys all know what happens. The furnace is so hot that the men that are following the king's order die from being so close to the flames because it's that hot. They take them up and cast them in, and then they die. So if you get angry, be careful because your decisions may affect people that you're not intending them to affect. I don't think the king had in his mind... Go ahead. Might. I don't think the king had in his mind, well, I'm going to kill three or four of these mighty men that are in my army by having them cast. I don't think that was there. It was an unintended consequence of his anger. Anybody else have a comment before we go on? It is. And it's interesting on down here, and maybe I'll get to it in the reading. Hopefully I do. But So when they bound them, they bound them with their clothes and their hat and their coat. And I think that goes right along with what you're saying. I think they were trying to make these three men disappear. And I think the king was trying to make everything that could be remembered about them disappear. In other words, they didn't even leave their coats for somebody else to pick up and wear where the king might see it and be reminded of, oh yeah, that was Shadrach's coat. Um, They took everything about them. The world wants to completely separate themselves from anything that will remind them of God. And... Right. And Nebuchadnezzar made this statue and said, there's my God. Uh, and they had the ability to change whichever God they wanted to serve when one of them didn't fit their, their needs at that moment. And I think the fact that these Hebrews had one God, and that God was always important, and, and that was the only God they had to turn to, that's what hurt the Nebuchadnezzar and, and people that didn't know God was the fact that how can these people only have one God and depend on him totally yeah. and, and we face that same thing now uh, people I work with go golfing on Sunday or, or go play 
play softball on Sunday or, or whatever it might be that they put before God. And they've got all these things in the world that they that they turn to. But when they look at us, we've got one purpose. And that's serving that one God. And they can't understand that. I think that's what gives them that that troublesome feeling that you're talking about. That, yeah. You know. So know we're in the world different you know different government than these fellows but i you know they're carried away captive from their home country against their will they're down here like brent said you know they changed their name they tried to feed them food that they didn't want they they were trying to assimilate them the world wants to assimilate us the world's happy if we're all watching and doing and eating and drinking and doing everything because then there's nothing to condemn them for the way they're living. All right. So we have to be careful not to do that. Now, we don't want to be completely aliens. We've got to be friendly or we won't have any influence to say, hey, why don't you come and go to church with me? But uh, if we fit completely in and assimilate to the world completely, then we have we have no impact. Uh, one of the scriptures says we we should be a peculiar people. We should be a little different. They should be able to look and see something different, right? We seen this play out one time. I probably told this before when we went to work at gas company. Me and Terry and Gabe Smith and Jerry Honor. They wanted us to do some things that was against what we believed in, you know, which we didn't have to do it. It wasn't necessary. They had a big meeting of the union and the company all got together in a big room downstairs and had a big meeting. And he got down to it and the union president was supposed to have been for us, I guess you know, it was supposed to have been. Anyways, he got down to it and he said, well, Terry, I want to ask you a question. Terry said, go ahead. He said, which one's the most important to you, your job or your church? And Terry thought for a minute. He said, well, if you're going to put it that way, my church is more important to me. And that meant, hey, he didn't for us. <laughs> we didn't know what they wanted us to do, but, you know, it just, it, he stood up for it, you know, and it turned him And that's a, that's a great example, and I've heard that story, obviously, before. And we don't know, because sometimes, and, and probably didn't know then, I mean, the, the answer could have been, okay, you four fellows are fired, and we're going to hire four other fellows. Okay. Same place that these three fellows was in. We don't know which way God's going to go with this, but whichever way God's going to go, we're okay with that. We trust that all things are going to work together for good for them that love the Lord, for those that are called according to his purpose. We trust that. Do you really trust that? God is going to give you, it's easy to say that, like Brent said, we're here in the church and we're all up in the choirs up here singing and we're all feeling good. It's easy to go, yeah, man, I'm real. I'm going to stand for the Lord. When you get out to work on Tuesday or Wednesday and, you know, somebody gets mad and hollering and threatening you or whatever the case may be, it gets, it's, you know, and there ain't another that you can identify. There's not another Christian anywhere around. We need to stay focused on God. Because what we do out there on Tuesday afternoon at work may be what impacts somebody, and they may later think, Why well, I, I want to go to that church, wherever that person's going. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors. Let's let's skip down to verse twenty-three. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. doesn't say anything about the reaction. At this point, I don't think they had much option. I mean, they got these mighty men that are, you know, more, you know, the soldiers binding them up. But it doesn't say that they were screaming and hollering and threatening the king as they were on their way. Again, I think their, their heart was humble and I think they were you know probably asking God you know take care of us here if it's thy will verse 24 then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors 
Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Well, he knew they did. I mean, he's saying, we, we threw three in there, right? So I'm not sure where he was. I know he's far enough away from the furnace that he's not, you know, he, he doesn't die like the men that were casting these, these boys in. But he's got a vision, a, a path to what's going on, okay? Be aware that when you're going through a trial, like these fellows, when you're in your fiery furnace, somebody is watching. Guarantee it. Somebody's watching. And I think, to me, at least through this lesson today, the one thing I want to get across to you is how we respond in our time of our fiery furnace may be the most important actions that we have throughout our life. Now, it's important to live for God and trust in God and lean on him all the time. But when we're going through our fiery furnace, we have a, a, a pedestal to some degree, or if you want to call it a, a magnifying glass, there are people watching us and probably watching us closer than at any other time in our life. And how we respond then will impact people probably greater than any other time in our life. They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now there are commentaries, if you get you can read commentaries on this. What did he see? What was it that he saw when he looked in there? And just about every commentary is a little bit different. They've all got their own opinions. I'll tell you what I think he saw. I think he saw the same thing that the person that comes and sits back, that back there behind Don three or four rows sees when they come to church here and the church lifts its head and the spirit moves and Christ is lifted up. That's what he saw. Do I mean that he didn't see a form? No, I don't know if he saw a form or not. Maybe he did see the form of a person in there. That's fine with me if he did. And maybe he didn't and just formed it this way because that was the only way he could explain it. But he knew that there was God, not like Jay said, a God, but he knew there was God, big G, in the fire when he looked in there and saw those boys walking around unhurt. And their clothes not on fire. High and lifted up. How does that happen? Well, our pastor preaches it when he was lost and became under conviction and on the way home said, Mom, how will I know when Jesus is talking to me? And she said, you'll just know. How did Nebuchadnezzar know? He just knew. How did I know? I just knew. So that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw in the fire. He saw the church and he saw Christ high and lifted up right there in the middle of the fiery furnace. Do I want to be in the fiery furnace? Nope. Do you? Well, I assume you don't. Should we be ready? Yes. Bob Wilson preached here years and years, over on Albert Street, years and years ago. If you haven't had trouble, get ready, it's coming. When we have trouble, and Arnold Petrie, another great preacher, preached or told, and I think preached, that he was thankful the troubles that God gave him. Boy, what a heart. Thankful for the troubles. Why? Because those are opportunities to be closer to God and to lift God up 
so that somebody, and who's going to be looking? The people that are the closest to you, the people that you want to have an impact on are going to be the people that are likely looking when you're having that trouble and trying to lean on God and lift him up. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. I want to point out a couple of things. There were counselors around the king when he's looking into the fire and he even asks them, didn't we throw three in? It doesn't say that any of those fellas saw a fourth man in the fire. And maybe some of them did, but it doesn't say it. It's an individual thing. It's very personal. When God talked to me, was in a church full of people when he spoke to me the first few times. And I don't know if any of them heard or felt or saw God, but I know I did. And so, not sure if any of those counselors saw while these the fellows were in the fire what the king did, but the king saw it. Then he calls them out. It's also interesting to me that he doesn't say, and God, you come on out too. So I think he's recognizing that this God is above even the king. All right? We're all kings of our own lives. But there's somebody that's above us that we should be, should be honoring. But it's, here in verse 27, and we're about to run out of time, so maybe I'll get to read all this and maybe I won't. But in verse 27, he calls them out. Their clothes have no smoke. There's no fire. The only thing that I can see that came off in the fire were the bonds. They were bound, remember? When he sees them in the fire, they're loose and walking around. God's love has the ability to free us. Sin will never free. God's love is the only thing that will make us free. The bonds were the only thing that I can see that they report here that came off, that were burned off. All right. Does anybody have any questions or any comments? There's, you guys know the story. I mean, they, they came out, and the king talked to them, king promoted them, and it was a great day of victory for God. And I believe the king saw God through these boys. These boys represented the church that day. And I believe the king saw God through them. Don, go ahead. Yep. There are some other examples, lots of them, through the Bible. A couple I want to point out. Paul and Silas, which you guys know is one of my absolute favorite passages, Acts 16. Doing God's work, make the people around them mad, get beaten, get thrown in jail. And I love their response. Because I'm capable of being beaten and thrown in jail, but I don't know if I'm capable of the response that they have. They had church. They started singing the praises of God in the jail at midnight midnight. 